I invite you to open the word of the Lord to Romans chapter 16 this morning. Our text is Romans chapter 16. Romans 16, verse 1 to 16. Romans chapter 16, verse 1 to 16. I would invite you to stand out of reverence for God's word as we read together. The Apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says this, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Synchreae, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life. To whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinatus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Epilus, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we would simply pray and ask now that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear from it this day. As we trust and as we lean upon your Holy Spirit to draw us unto yourself. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. There's a lot of folks that are pregnant and have been pregnant. Just before we jump in, just draw your attention. Here's a a wealth of lists of names for you to look for your children. Uh, I would call your attention to my personal favorite in verse 15, Philologus, uh, Philo for short, I think it might work. Well, today we come to some verses in Romans that uh, you might be thinking, uh, why are we having a sermon on this text? What does a list of names have to do 
with me and Redeeming Grace Baptist Church. In some ways, these verses appear very similar to a list of a genealogy that we find in Scripture. But I assure you there is much for us to learn from these verses. Chapter 16, verse 1 to 16, uh, don't speak as clearly about the gospel as many of the earlier chapters of the book of Romans. These verses, just quite frankly, aren't the same as Romans chapter 3, verse 21 to 26, or chapter 1, verse 16 to 17, which God used to open the eyes of Martin Luther to the gospel. I doubt if you meet somebody this week and you share the gospel with them, you're going to point them to Romans chapter 16, verse 1 to 16, to go home and to read. But these verses are as equally inspired of the rest of Scripture. And we know that 2 Timothy 3.16 says what is true. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And so we jump in to Romans 16, verse 1 to 16. As we do that, I seek uh, to answer two questions today. Why and What? Okay, why and what? First off, why? Why would Paul include such a long list of names and greet, quite frankly, so many people? What's the purpose of these verses? None of his other letters uh, really even come close in the amount of people that they greet. Usually it's just a couple of people. Well, there's more than one answer to this question of why, but primarily, and I think this lies behind the background, uh, less on the surface, but in the background, primarily, Paul is still concerned about the churches in Rome receiving him and receiving the gospel message that he brings. Remember from last week that very important uh, verse in chapter 15, verse 24, that Paul says, I want to go to Spain... And I want to come by you to go to Spain, and I hope that you will help me in my journey, help me going to Spain to give me what I need to send me off on that journey. That is the Apostle Paul's desire, and he's writing this letter to the Romans to secure their reception of him and them being on the same page of the gospel. And so I think Paul is primarily recording all of these names so that the churches there will receive him and receive his message. It acts as an affirmation of his message. Paul is saying there are many brothers and sisters in Christ there in Rome who believe the same gospel that I preach. There are many there who I know personally. You know them, I know them, Paul's saying, some I've led to the Lord, some I've worked with hand in hand, some are fellow Jews, some are even fellow prisoners, one is like a mother to me. You know this guy, he's the first convert in this area, you know him, I know him, believes the same gospel message. Paul says, I know them too, you know them, I know them, greet them, they're fellow workers, we all believe the same gospel, there's unity in this message that we have. And of course, Paul loves these people he mentions. He genuinely wants to warmly greet them. They are his dear friends. 
And Paul wants to show and express the unity, the unity they have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The same gospel the Apostle Paul is saying, I preach, is the same gospel all of these people have received and believe in. Just consider how many times Paul uses the phrase, in the Lord, six times in these verses, in Christ Jesus, twice, and in Christ, twice. If my math is correct, that totals ten And so the Apostle Paul, 10 times in this, is just referring and saying, look, this is in Christ Jesus. Greet them in Christ, in the gospel, in the Lord. He's pointing to the universality of the gospel and their unity that they have in the gospel because that is what the local church and the local body of believers is about. It is built up by and sustained by, and its purpose is to display the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're all about here at Redeeming Grace Baptist Church. If you're visiting with us here today, we welcome you, and we would especially have you know this. We are a church that wants to point directly to Jesus Christ and Him crucified of what he has done on the cross for us because we believe we have a big problem, a sin problem. The scripture teaches that we are dead in our trespasses and sins and we need someone outside of us to come and to rescue us and save us and that Savior is Jesus who God sent to this earth to save us and die on the cross for our sin. The New Testament churches were founded because of the gospel and it's the same thing that is true for us today and we want to ever be pointing to that fact and that truth, to be pointing to Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross, not what we have done for God. So the truth of the gospel, the universality of the gospel and their unity in the gospel is clearly seen in these greetings just in all the times of in Christ, in the Lord, in Christ Jesus. Also, I want to point your attention to Phoebe in verse one to two. Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. Most commentators agree that Phoebe was the one who delivered this letter to the Roman churches. She would be the one showing up uh, there with this letter of Romans. Sincreae was a port city on the other side of the isthmus from Corinth, about eight miles away. There was a little sliver of land that went through this region where Corinth was, and on the other part of it was Sincreae. And so there there would have been a touching of base between these churches, a knowledge between them. And remember, it's believed Paul wrote from Corinth. And remember also from last week, he said, I've got to go to Jerusalem is closer to, uh, yeah, closer to go to Jerusalem than to Rome. And so he sends Phoebe to Rome with this letter and he goes himself to Jerusalem to make sure there's unity in the receiving of the gift that the churches had gathered together for the Jews there. And so it seems that Phoebe was a deacon or at least a servant at that church. We'll get to that more in a little bit. But Paul says, welcome her in the Lord. Welcome her, receive her, receive Phoebe. And this word for welcome is the same word used in chapter 14, verse number 1, and chapter 15, verse number 7. 
where we're commanded, you'll remember 14, to welcome the one who is weak in the faith. And in chapter 15, verse 7, we're told to welcome one another, that is, receive one another, to heartily bring them in and include them, welcome. And Paul says, I commend to you, Phoebe, welcome her. Welcome her as she comes. No doubt she probably needed a place to stay, and Paul is saying provide for her what she needs. She's helped others. She's provided for them. Please show her the same kindness. And so, again, Paul is writing here to secure all of these things, both himself and the gospel message in these verses, so that the church will receive him, receive this gospel message, and receive this mission that is going to Spain by way of the Apostle Paul. So I think that's the why of these, why so many names? Why not just a couple of names? Why just pancake it one on top of the other with this long list? I think that's what the Apostle Paul is doing here primarily. And likewise, he wants to greet these people. Now, what? What are we to learn from these verses and this list here? What do we see in them? What does it mean for us? Well, I want to offer at least five things we see in these verses. Don't worry, there were more. I called them out. Five is what we're going to look at. Before we go through these, though, I want to go ahead and give what I see as being the overall application for us as a church. So I want to give the application first And hopefully you'll have it in your mind as we work our way through these points. So I think the overall application for us here is that wherever God has placed you, work for the advancement of the kingdom. Wherever God has placed you, and by that I mean wherever he's placed you in this life, your home, your work, your neighbors, every. You know, you, where you are and where you go, wherever God has placed you, work for the advancement of the kingdom. No matter who you are, what stage of life you are in, work for the advancement of the kingdom. And we'll get back to this at the end. But I think that's the overall application for us to hear. And so let's have that in our mind as we kind of work through some things we see from these verses. So the first thing that we see is the presence of friendships in gospel ministry. I'm going for the low-hanging fruit first. The presence of friendships in gospel ministry. I think this point is just very clearly seen as we read this chapter. From verses 3 to 16, Paul greets at least 26 people, two families, and three house churches. Gospel ministry should not be Lone Ranger ministry. God has created us for community. And we find the truest sense of community and friendship in the gospel and in the local church. And just to state the obvious, Jesus is the source and the glue of our friendships. Jesus is the source and the glue of our friendships. And we see just by the sheer amount of people that Paul greets here, we see the friendships that he had in gospel ministry. Paul had a very dear history with many of those listed here. Just for example, and there's there's a lot of things we could just look at. There's so much once you start digging around in these verses that you can find. Paul calls attention, he, he calls Priscilla in verse number three, 
Paul calls her Prisca. And Acts refers to her, you'll remember her name as Priscilla and Aquila in Acts chapter uh, 18. You'll remember them referred to that as here. But, but Paul is just calling her by her short name. Uh, Prisca is the shortened form of the name Priscilla. You know, it's like calling somebody Lizzie uh, who's named Elizabeth or, or something like that, right? Pat of Patricia, something like this. But Paul is just saying, and he's showing here the friendship. It just shows us the friendships that he has with those in the list. Paul says they risk their necks for him. Epinatus in verse 5, Paul calls beloved, a term of endearment. Endearment to him that he is beloved. And likewise with Ampliatus in verse 8 and Stachus in verse 9. Rufus's mother in verse number 13, Paul says that she was a mother to him also. There's a great diversity of people in this list, isn't there? Husbands and wives, single, rich, poor. Many have drawn attention to the fact that most of these names are slave names. Some even resemble those of names of slaves that had been freed, and they would call them freedmen. And these were names that uh, uh, likewise were that freedmen have that have been freed from slavery. Most are Gentile names in here. Some are Jewish. There's a great diversity that we see here that the Apostle Paul has in the church and amongst these believers. But what is it that unites them all together? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. No doubt here this morning, uh, there are, Lord willing, right, there are friendships in this congregation. There are friendships that you have with other people because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel that has brought you here into the congregation to uh, gather together in obedience to worship the Lord. And it's that gospel that has brought you and revealed to you other friends to encourage one another and the community that we have and need in the faith. I don't doubt that some of these people were closer to Paul than others. Many of them were his very dear friends and other people maybe, it's hard to know, does he know every single person or some of them, uh, you know, people that he greets that he knows are mutual friends that they both know about. It's kind of hard to tell with some of the names because this is the only time they're mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, But the Apostle Paul here greets a lot of names and some of them he would be very close to. And I just want to say that it's okay to have close friends in the faith. We see that pattern in Jesus' life in the New Testament. We see that in Paul and other places. So, you know, for those friends that you have that you latch on to, don't feel guilty for having close friends in the faith, right? God has given that as a gift. Use that, encourage that, be friends in the faith. Just don't have close friends in the faith to the exclusion of other friends in the faith, right? We see that with the Apostle Paul here. He's very welcoming of all and we need to be the same. Let's not look over the amount of times we see the word greet. Greet in these verses. The ESV uses the word greet 18 times from verse 3 to 16. Greet, 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 greet. Saying hello, that's what this is. It's giving a a firm uh, uh, greeting to somebody, a warm greeting and gospel unity being all behind it, being all behind the greeting. Paul even says in verse number 16 to greet one another with a holy kiss. The application for that today, for those of you sweating that one, 
uh, would be to greet one another in an appropriate, affectionate way. This will vary depending on places that you live and it will look differently in places that you live. But the point is the same for each of us. Paul is saying, greet one another in gospel unity and be affectionate. Paul's not saying here, I think, by giving all of these greetings and this command to say, everybody be an extrovert. Everybody be an extrovert and and, and just go around and get out of your uh, uh, introverted ways. No, Paul is just saying here, greet. Greet everyone. Show an appropriate sign of affection, whatever that might look like for you. If you haven't learned it yet, for some people it's something, for other, it's not, right? It's always awkward when you go to somebody thinking they're a hugger, and you go to give them a hug, and they're just kind of like this, and you're like, oops, sorry, you know, it's good to see you, something like that. But the Apostle Paul is saying here, greet one another with an affectionate way. Greet one another that was seen as a holy kiss in this time. Like so many of you, there are a lot of people at RGBC I usually only see on Sunday. And I encourage you, don't look down upon a single, simple greeting of seeing somebody and greeting them. Don't look down upon seeing a brother and sister in Christ that maybe, maybe you're busy, maybe you're going back and forth and saying, hello, saying it's great to see you, good morning, of making a contact and having behind that so much theology of unity in Christ and unity in the gospel to have a small, short greeting. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't need nor have to have a long greeting with everybody, right? It's okay, I'm just trying to be super practical here of, of how we might apply these verses where Paul is just saying, greet one another and greet with a, with a holy kiss. There should be a welcoming sense in the churches of Jesus Christ. And there's, there's nothing wrong, right, with seeing somebody and saying, good morning, it's so good to see you. How was your week? Great, oh, good. Mine too, you know, and off you go to do something. Else. That's okay, that's okay, receive, greet, greet one another. Some of you, it's just, it's so encouraging just to say hello, right? Especially folks that you know and that you have, have a little bit of background, you see each other, maybe you can't chat, you don't have time to chat, but you give a warm handshake, you say, it's good to see you, brother. I was thinking about that this, this week, the simple nature of that, as I was driving uh, away from uh, our house, and I had the... Uh, windows down, beautiful by the way, last couple of days had the windows down and, and driving and one of my neighbors was out there and as I was driving by he says, hey good to see you brother and I was just driving and I had, of course I had this on my mind right and I'm, I'm driving by and I was like, good to see you and driving by and I was like, how just encouraging, something so simple of the unity of the gospel that can be seen in something just as short as, hey good to see you brother another fellow believer there that just greeted as driving by in the car could have just thrown his hand up, could have just said, here he comes, <laughs> turn the other way, right, out working, working in his yard, pretend like he doesn't see you, right? But it's things like this, and I, I think we see here just there's an amount of greeting of Paul saying, greet all these people. Show that fellowship of Christian unity. Second and closely related to this first of having friends is this, the reality of hospitality in gospel ministry. So not only the presence of friendships that the gospel brings about, but likewise the reality of hospitality and gospel ministry. 
Now that word is not used here in these verses, but it's all over in these names of greetings. Of having other people into your homes. Right? Maybe even of strangers at first and getting to know them. And no doubt is speaking here of other church members. Paul commends Phoebe for this in the very first verses. Paul says, welcome her and help her in whatever she may need from you. Inevitably, that meant welcome her, giving, giving her a place to stay and giving her food to eat. Give, give her what she needs. She's coming from a different place. And it says next, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. The word translated here, patron, uh, means someone who cares for another and gives them aid. Okay? It gives them what they need. No doubt this would include welcoming others. It would include welcoming others and providing a roof for them. Welcoming them, food, all that would come with that of welcoming one another. From what we know, Phoebe was a wealthy woman. She had means and could help others out and by providing materially for them, providing a place for them to stay, providing things that we need, she used that blessing that God had given her of being a wealthy lady. She used that in the church to minister to other people in the church that were traveling and likewise Paul says, do the same with her, receive her. Also, we see a number of house churches mentioned in these verses. Verse 5a and verse 15, maybe verse 10, maybe verse 11, that those of Aristobulus, is that a church, or those people underneath, presumably he's not a believer, but those in his house or something are, and likewise those of Narcissus, you know, maybe that's not a believer, but those of him are, maybe it's a house church, I don't know, it's hard to say. But we see the local church in this time meeting together in homes. They didn't have a building. They would usually meet in a wealthier member's home that would have a larger place for them to come. Some people say, and these are guesstimates somewhat, but potentially up to 80 people would meet together in these large homes that these people might have. And no doubt that involves having other people into your home, right? It involves being hospitable. And it should be normal for that in the life of a believer, Priscilla and Aquila, again in Acts 18, they had people stay with them. Paul stayed with them. They had Apollos as he came and they ministered to Apollos. So that should be normal in the life of believers. How are you doing in that of being hospitable? How are you as a follower of Christ doing? Are you being hospitable? You need to grow in that area. Might you say that you are too busy with other things to be hospitable to other believers? I love what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 7 and following. Peter says, The end of all things is at hand. Keep loving one another and show hospitality to one another without grumbling. <laughs> right? It's beautiful. Peter says, The world's ending, right? Jesus Christ is returning. Love one another and have people over to your house. <laughs> it's wonderful. Be hospitable. That's what he's talking about there. Love one another, have one another into your house. And I love the little phrase, without grumbling. We'll leave that one for another time. 
But hospitality, I think we should see or should be normal in the life of a believer. There's a lot of hospitality going on in these verses with the receiving of friends, with the greeting of friends, with friends traveling and being received by these churches and just brothers and sisters in Christ interacting with one another. Third thing that we see here is the role of women in gospel ministry. The role of women in gospel ministry. It is good that we consider how impactful women are in gospel ministry. You might not have caught them because the names are uh, so different for us, but let me just call them out to you. Phoebe, who's described as a deacon here. Prisca is a fellow worker. Mary worked hard. Junia is a kinsman slash fellow prisoner. Tryphena and Tryphosa, workers in the Lord. Persis, beloved worker in the Lord. Rufus' mother, a mother to Paul. And Julia. Nine women in all mentioned and greeted in these verses. You see, women truly are vital to gospel ministry. It was Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla is the lady's name, in case I used to get it mixed up. I didn't know what's male, what's female there. Priscilla is the woman's name, Aquila is the man's name. It is they in Acts 18 who Paul stayed with as he reasoned with the Jews in the synagogue. So Paul stayed with them both and ministered alongside of them. And in Acts 18, 24 to 28... It was Priscilla and Aquila who brought Apollos into their house. And as verse 26 states in Acts, Priscilla and Aquila both, quote, explained to him the way of God more accurately. You see, Apollos was uh, a very gifted preacher. And his ministry was mainly to the Jews. And he would go into the synagogue and he would teach from the Old Testament and point people to Christ. And it said of him there that he needed some help along the way and it was both Priscilla and Aquila, both this husband-wife team who brought him into their home and taught him or explained to him the way of God more accurately. It's important for us to see the role of women in gospel ministry in their home bringing him in teaching teaching Apollos about how Christ fulfills the Old Testament and pointed him in proper ways of faith in verse 13 it was Rufus's mother who Paul says had been a mother to him what a beautiful thing my imagination can run wild on that right it just says in there that this is greet Rufus greet him and greet his mother It just simply says there, and mine, after that, meaning who's been a mother to me as well. That's what he's saying, is his mother and is my mother. Well, what way might Rufus' mother have ministered to the Apostle Paul? Right, just think about your mother. It's not hard to come up with some things of, of meeting with her, of being encouraged by her, of her providing what is being needed from him, of being that type of relationship in his life. Phoebe in verse 1 and 2 was most likely a deacon or deaconess at the church in Synchreae. Servant is the Greek word used here, diakonos, diakonon, and probably refers here to that office that she held. So that would mean overseeing, that she would be overseeing and helping those at this church and she would be providing for them. 
We could go on and on with examples here in this list, and, but we need to call attention and say, look, and this is getting back at our main point and main area, no matter where you are in life, no matter who you are, work for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Work for the advancement of the kingdom of God, pointing others to Christ, throwing yourself behind ministry, ministering to others, sharing the gospel, encouraging others in the faith. Fourth thing that we see here is the need of intentionality in gospel ministry. The need of intentionality in gospel ministry Most, if not all, of these people mentioned here are not full-time ministerial staff. They're names and members of churches who have been faithful and intentional in gospel ministry. For example, again, Priscilla and Aquila were tent makers by trade. That was their job, their work, that's their way of income. But they were very intentional in their lives. And they were very intentional in where God placed them. From the book of Acts, we know that Priscilla and Aquila were in Rome but they got expelled from Rome because they were believers in Jesus Christ and they went to Corinth and then from Corinth they went to Ephesus and then they went back to Rome and then to Ephesus again. And these are just the times that are recorded for us in Scripture. The point is they moved around a lot and they also ministered a lot wherever God had placed them. No doubt with their job, they could perform this job in multiple places and in multiple areas. And so they were a blessing to the church wherever God sent them. The same should be true of us today. Maybe your job might take you from this place and your job might take you somewhere else. You know what your calling is? Is to still be faithful to God and serve in the church and for the advancement of the kingdom of God. To be about gospel ministry wherever you are, wherever God places you. Right? To say, God has put me here, just like with Priscilla and Aquila, the use they use, they brought Apollos in, they brought Paul in. No doubt there's many others they brought into their home and ministered to them. Wherever God has placed you, work for the advancement of the kingdom of God, be faithful to Him. They were intentional. They were intentional with their lives and they were intentional in pointing others to the gospel what about you this morning are you being faithful to do that are you being faithful and again we're talking youth kids youth whatever middle age is older people senior adults all all of these things are you being faithful with where God has placed you younger people who are believing in Christ are you seeking to impress other people, impress upon them the gospel and to point them to Christ? Whether you're in school, are you seeking through your friendships at school to get to know others that they would see that you are a believer and for you to point them to Christ and to have fellowship with other believers in Christ and to encourage one another and strengthen one another? Right, same thing. And we could just go all all throughout the chain. Wherever God has placed you, Are you intentional in the work of the gospel ministry? There's too many examples to give, right? Got to leave this one up to the Holy Spirit and with you from God's word because you know your exact week, right, of the things that you do. What, What things can you leverage with where you are to encourage others in the faith, to share the gospel, 
to be intentional in relationships that God has placed you with, to have others over to your house to encourage one another. Be intentional. Fifth and lastly, we see here the reality of work in gospel ministry. The reality of work in gospel ministry. Paul refers to many in this list as, quote, fellow workers. Five times Paul uses this word work to refer to folks. In verse 12, Paul says, Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa, which is really fun because they're Greek names of the, uh, maybe they're twins, I don't know, sounds like a good twin name, but they're, de- they're sisters. Their name means delicate and dainty. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. Delicate and dainty. Greet delicate and dainty those workers in the Lord. You kind of see, I, I don't know if that was meant to uh, not, you know, but greet, greet these dainty ones who work in the Lord. Can we say that gospel work is, well, sometimes hard work? Priscilla and Aquila are said to have, quote, risked, risked their necks for my life, Paul says. Could have been a riot. Maybe they physically intervened. Could have been something with the authorities. It's, frankly, it's hard to tell because the Apostle Paul was in so much trouble so many times. But somehow in there, they risked their necks. That is, they risked their life for the Apostle Paul, sometimes gospel work is, is hard work. Andronicus and Junia are said to have been Paul's fellow prisoners. It's hard to say. Again, so many of these names, we're just not touching on them because it's the only time that they're mentioned here and, and, and it's just hard to know exactly who these people are and what they did. But Andronicus and Junior, again, they were Paul's, Paul's fellow prisoners, either with him personally or maybe they were likewise people that were thrown into prison. So many are said to work hard in the Lord and ministry and gospel work can be like that in our lives. What that looks like today will differ, of course, than in the New Testament time, but obviously there's similarities Right Today, I would say today, we are very, very busy people. We're very busy people who have a lot going on at work and otherwise. And what does being involved in the work of the gospel ministry look like in your life? What does being involved in the work of the gospel ministry look like in the lives of people today with very busy lives who are part of the church? Sometimes it's hard work. And all the nursery workers said, amen, right? Nothing quite like changing somebody else's baby's diapers. Right, what does that look like in our lives? I think we could, we could kind of view that as both inside and outside the church, ministering to one another and likewise the work of the gospel ministry of seeking to share the gospel ministry with others outside the church, but we are to be at work. You see many people listed here, those who are working for the gospel. And amidst our busy lives, what might that look like? Well, again, you have to be intentional. You have to see things that the Lord, where he's placed you, and use that, leverage that for the gospel and for the kingdom. 
For many of us, that, that, at least that part of that work is being a part of being attentive and being there at home group or taking advantage of equip hour sort of stuff and kind of things that we have going on, serving in the many ways that there are to serve here at Redeeming Grace and to serve in many, many of the ministries that we have. It's work, isn't it? Isn't it work? Just ask the people that put the seat down there that you're so patiently sitting in, right? Somebody had to work that in here and put that down. Same thing, setting up, teaching, setting up, tearing down, preparing lessons, making bullets, and overseeing ministries, youth, children, preparing finances, building preparations, capital campaign team, building planning team, steps program, worship team, practices, greetings, overseeing, elders. We could go on and on. There's a lot of work and things to be involved in. And are you working in the gospel ministry? Or is it kind of too easy just to sit back and let others do work for you and fall through that crack? To put it another way, if Paul knew you, what sort of greeting would he give to you if he knew you in that church? Before ending, I just want to say many of the names of this list to draw attention to one more time, many of the names mentioned in this list, we just simply don't know who they are or what they did. We don't know the sacrifices they made. It says they worked hard. What does that entail? Or they're working hard. We're not given the explanation of what the working hard looked like. I just say that not knowing who these people are or what they did, it's probably going to be the same thing that could be said of you and me in a hundred years. Hey, Jeremy, I, right, I, don't, I don't know who that person is. What about the guy that was born way over here in some country we're not... Uh, uh, you, you might not even know of. He's out in the middle of uh, outer Mongolia somewhere who served the church super hard and gave of his life and risked his life maybe even in cold weather to take the gospel to other people and to minister all in these areas. And we just have no idea who in the world he is or maybe what his name is. And multiply that a trillion times over. But listen, it's okay to not be known It's okay to not be known because, listen, God sees and God knows. God sees the work that you do. God sees and knows who you are. Isn't that enough for us? Isn't it enough to know God sees us? God knows what we are doing, those little things at home with the kids or those little things at work where you're doing what is right when others aren't looking. Look, God sees and God knows those things. That should be fuel for our flame of working for the Lord. I simply return to our overall application. Wherever God has placed you, work for the advancement of the kingdom. Work for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This week, will you take advantage of the opportunities and places God has placed you in to minister for the kingdom? Let's be found faithful, faithful, doing just that. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you most of all that you are faithful. 
You are faithful to your promises. Lord, you are faithful to complete the work that you have started within us. As we've already sung, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. You are faithful to keep your gospel message in the church of Jesus Christ growing and remaining strong. And so, Father, I pray that you would impress upon us our need to be faithful to you in what you've called us to do. Lord, help us to work hard in gospel ministry. Help us to be thankful for the friendships that you have given us. Lord, we pray that all of it would be for the glory of your name in this earth. Father, we love and we thank you and we just pray, Lord, you would help us to see where you would have us to serve. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.